that's worth leaving so that the collective energy of mindfulness will bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, <coughs> chant as one body, listen as one body, transcending the boundaries of the delusive self, liberating from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
The French-speaking children are invited to come and sit close to Thay and the other children. I've forgotten all my French, Ty said to the children. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower. I am a flower. Breathing out, I smile like a flower. Good morning, dear friends. Today is July the 9th in the year 2013. We are in the Stillwater Meditation Hall of the Upper Hamlet. When we say, I love you, what does that mean? I love you. 
I love you, Daddy. I love you, Mommy. What does it mean? What is it to love? This little girl said that loving means spending time with the person you love. That's a good answer. That's good. Very good answer. I think that when we love someone, we have the wish to offer that person something, right? So we could say that loving is offering. But what can we offer to the person we love? We could go to the market to buy something, but that's not the most precious gift. Listen. For me, to love is to offer. And what do you have? offer. We have many things we can offer to the one we love. The first is beauty. Our own beauty. Every person has his or her beauty. And we want to preserve the beauty in us to be able to offer that to the one we love. Do you know how to preserve, to conserve the beauty in you? Beauty, what else is it? Freshness. When we love someone, we want to offer freshness. Do you have freshness? Of course. And we should know how we can preserve our freshness. To love is to offer. We need to have something to offer. We start with beauty and we continue with freshness. And meditation can help us to restore our beauty. If you've lost a little of your beauty, meditation can help you to restore that beauty. If you have lost a little bit of your freshness, meditation also can help you to restore that freshness. And what else? Tenderness. Do you have tenderness? Of course. We should offer tenderness to the other person. If you have lost a bit of your tenderness, we can very well practice to recover 
to recover, to restore that tenderness. And that's what we do in Plum Village. We learn how to do that in Plum Village. And what else? We can also offer peace, calm. Do you have peace in you? Calm, serenity? If you've lost your calm, your peace, you're not a happy person, you don't have much to offer. So meditation can help reestablish peace in our body and in our mind. And when we come to Plum Village, that's what we need to learn to restore our peace, our stability. That's another thing we can offer, stability. When we're too unstable, we're not very happy, and we don't have much to offer. So cultivating stability is something we can do with meditation. And finally, we will be able to offer freedom. Freedom is essential for happiness. Freedom from anger. If we're angry, we're not happy. And we can't make the person we love happy. So we want to be free from anger. And free of worries, despair, violence. Freedom is cultivated with meditation. So today we'll start with beauty. There is a meditation called Flower Fresh. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower. We we know that the human person is also a true flower. Every time I see a child, I see a flower in him or her. That is a true flower in the garden of humanity. Look at a child. His face is a real flower. Flower face. Look at her eyes. Every eye is a flower. Look at the child's hand. This is also a true flower. And when the child sleeps, he is so beautiful. It's a sleeping flower. And when the child plays, she's also beautiful. And even when a child cries, he is also beautiful. So we are born 
as flowers. And we have our beauty. The human person is a flower with beauty. And in that beauty there is freshness. And meditation can help us to preserve our beauty and our freshness. And in case you have lost a little bit of your beauty and freshness, you need to practice to be able to restore them. That's why we need meditation. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower. I am a real flower. And when you breathe in, you come back to yourself, you become a flower once again, and you're just as fresh as any flower. And with that, you can make the person you love happy. Mommy, I love you. I'm a flower. I'm beautiful. I'm fresh. This is a gift for you. We don't have to buy it. In fact, we can't. That beauty, that freshness, we cannot buy it in the supermarket. Impossible. Even if you have lots of money, you cannot buy this beauty, this freshness. Cosmetics, those are not really beauty and freshness. So, we have to bring the flower back. We have to restore our flowerness. There are people among us who have cried a lot, who have suffered a lot, and they've lost a lot of their freshness, their flowerness. So they need to practice to be able to restore their freshness, their flowerness. That's why when we practice deep relaxation, when we walk in mindfulness, when we breathe mindfully, we restore ourselves and we restore our beauty and our freshness. To love, there needs to be beauty, there needs to be freshness. And this can be made through meditation. Tenderness, love. Is also cultivated and peace. Peace is something that we can cultivate as well. When we are calm, peaceful, we are happy. Happiness isn't possible without peace. Peace in the body. Peace in the feelings. If you have a lot of tensions in your body, there's no peace in your body. So relaxation is very important for the body and it restores the peace. We need to learn how to walk, to breathe, to relax. If there is peace in you, you will have tenderness and you will be able to offer that tenderness to the person you love. If you have 
painful feeling, emotion, like anger. If you have a lot of violence in you, there's no peace. You cannot love because there isn't enough tenderness and peace. A person who has too much anger and violence is not able to love. So we need to learn, we need to practice to transform anger and violence in us to be able to love. When we're full of anger and violence, we cannot say, I love you. It's impossible to love when you have too much violence, too much anger in you. So peace, tenderness, these are cultivated with meditation. And then stability, a person who is too unstable is not a happy person. We need to cultivate stability, solidity. In Plum Village, we practice walking meditation, sitting meditation, to be able to cultivate stability, calm and peace, and then freedom, freedom towards anger and violence and things like that. So when we sit like this and we know how to sit, we will cultivate peace, stability, tenderness, and we can also restore our beauty when we walk, when we eat in mindfulness. We can always cultivate that beauty and that freshness. So in Plum Village we have the song. Breathing in, breathing out. Can we sing that song now? Okay, start.
Peace in the body, peace in the feelings and the emotions, peace in the perceptions. This is possible.
And also joy. Joy is possible and so is happiness. So we need to cultivate peace, to cultivate joy and happiness. We need energy. And the practitioner knows how to generate this kind of energy to cultivate peace, joy, and happiness. In Buddhism, there are the words, there's the word bhavana, B-H-A-V-A-N-A. It means culture, cultivation. We cultivate peace. We cultivate happiness. Just like a gardener, we produce peace and happiness. Peace is something to be cultivated, joy and happiness also. To be able to cultivate peace, joy, and happiness, we need energy. And the first kind of energy is called mindfulness. In Sanskrit, it's smriti, S-M-R-T-I. You can see it on the stained glass window at the end of the meditation hall. And here's the Chinese character, Nian. If we analyze that Chinese character, we see the upper part of the character means the present moment. The present moment. Now. And the lower part of the character is the mind, the heart, the mind coming back to the present moment. And we can define mindfulness as that energy that allows us to be here in the present moment. That's why when we breathe in mindfulness, we can bring our mind back to our body. And we establish ourselves in the present moment. Every breath, every step we take can help us to come back to this moment. And that is the energy of mindfulness. Because it is only in the present moment that we can get in touch with life and its wonders. The energy of mindfulness. And with mindfulness, We have concentration. 
linked, connected with the mindfulness. The energy of mindfulness already carries within it concentration. When you, for example, look at something with mindfulness, such as this orchid, you are in some way already concentrating on the object of your mindfulness. When we look at the flower, the flower is the object of our mindfulness. If we can maintain that mindfulness, keep it alive for some seconds or minutes, we concentrate on that very object. So mindfulness is the the bearer, the carrier of concentration. And if we can keep our mindfulness alive, we can allow that concentration to increase, to grow. And if mindfulness is strong enough, vigorous enough, and if concentration is vigorous enough, we will bring about the third energy, which is called insight. Insight into the object of the mindfulness, object of the concentration. Mindfulness, smriti in Sanskrit. Concentration in Sanskrit is samadhi, S-A-M-A-D-H-I. And insight is prajna, P-R-A-J-N-A. To meditate is to cultivate the energy of mindfulness, the energy of concentration, and the energy of insight in order to bring about peace, joy, and happiness. He's writing the three characters in Chinese next to the words. And we can always start with mindfulness of our breathing. The Buddha left us a text which is called the Sutra on the Full Awareness of Breathing. There are 16 exercises to help us cultivate mindfulness, concentration, and insight, which bring us peace, joy, and happiness, and help us to transform the afflictions like fear, anger, despair, and suffering. Yeah. 
The first exercise of mindful breathing is breathing in. I am aware that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. So that first exercise is recognizing. Recognizing. In-breath as in-breath. And out-breath as out-breath. Recognizing in-breath and out-breath. It's very simple. When you breathe in, bring your attention to that in-breath. And that in-breath becomes the sole object of your mind. And you are concentrated on that in-breath alone. And while you are concentrating on that in-breath, you release everything else, the past, the future, your projects, your anger, and you become free. Thanks to mindfulness and concentration, if you really bring your attention 100% to that in-breath, you become the in-breath. And during that time, you're free. So the first exercise is recognizing in-breath as in-breath and out-breath as out-breath. Identifying in-breath as in-breath and out-breath as out-breath. And this morning, here in the Upper Hamlet, we practiced the second exercise as well. Breathing in, I follow my in-breath all the way from the beginning to the end. Imagine that this marker that I'm holding, is holding a marker horizontally parallel to the floor. And imagine that this is the length of an in-breath. It may be three or four seconds. And imagine that my finger is the mind. And I begin breathing in. And the finger, Tai's finger is staying on the marker, moving from Tai's right to Tai's left. The attention stays on the in-breath for the whole length of the in-breath. You're concentrated on your in-breath. And during that time, you are cultivating concentration. So mindfulness carries within it concentration. And our in-breath can be something very pleasant. We don't have to struggle to breathe in. You can feel joy, happiness, pleasure just breathing in. It's very pleasant to breathe in. When your nose isn't stuffed, you don't have any asthma, and the air is clean, it's a joy to breathe in. 
So let's enjoy our in-breath. And we do it with the energy of mindfulness, of concentration, and pleasure comes right away in doing that. If you're really mindful, if you're really concentrated, there has to be pleasure in it, and it becomes greater and deeper. That's your pleasure, your joy, as a function of your mindfulness, of your concentration. So, cultivate mindfulness, cultivate concentration, and you will have more happiness and more joy. When you bring your mind back to your body, you are really established in the present moment. And you can get in touch with all the wonders of life that are available in the present moment. The sun, the plants and trees, the beauty of nature, all of that. And if you are in touch with these healing, nourishing elements, then the joy is instantly born, very quickly. You realize that the kingdom of God is here. And you can take steps, peaceful steps, solid steps, in the kingdom of God. And the first exercise already gives you a lot of freedom because when you're aware of your breath, when you're concentrated on your breath, you let go of everything else. You become much freer thanks to one in-breath. So, this exercise gives you freedom right away. If there is mindfulness, if there's concentration, when we follow our breathing, when we follow our in-breath and our out-breath, we have more concentration. And as our concentration becomes greater, our pleasure is greater. So imagine we're in a group of people who are sitting together contemplating a sunset. The sunset is beautiful. But if you're preoccupied with something else, like your projects, your fear, you're not really there to enjoy the sunset. But if you breathe in and bring your mind back to your body, you're established in the here and now, and you can get deeply in touch with that sunset 
it's for you. That in-breath and that out-breath in mindfulness and concentration allows you to fully enjoy, deeply enjoy the beauty of nature. So your happiness comes from your concentration. The second exercise, breathing in, I follow my in-breath all the way from the beginning to the end, and there's pleasure in that in-breath. And the practitioner should feel joy and pleasure in the practice. This is very important. It's not hard labor, it's pleasure. When we walk, we should generate joy and peace thanks to our concentration, thanks to mindfulness. Mindfulness and concentration are sources of happiness. It's a source of happiness. Because when you're there, really there in the, in the moment, you can get in touch with all the wonders of life and that gives you pleasure and joy right away. The third exercise, breathing in, I'm aware of my body. Recognizing the presence of the body. Our body is a wonder. Our, our body contains the kingdom of God. And with that concentration, with that mindfulness, you can see things, insight. And that insight may come very quickly. You can recognize the presence of the kingdom of God in every tiny flower. In fact, it's true. The kingdom of God is there in every little flower. The kingdom of God is in every blade of grass, in every leaf, 
in the songs of the birds, the kingdom of God is in you. You are a wonder. Your body is a wonder. And we can get in touch with the kingdom through the body. The body is part of the kingdom. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. There is a reconciliation between body and mind. In daily life, you have the habit of forgetting your body. You're so busy. You can go three hours in front of your computer. You completely forget that you have a body. We need to come back to our body. We need to get in touch with our body, which is a wonder. Your body contains the whole cosmos. Your parents are in your body. They're not really outside of you. In every cell of your body is the presence of your dad and your mom. Genetically speaking, That is a fact. Your parents, your ancestors, are fully present in every cell of your body. And Mother Earth is also in you. All the species, animal, plant, are also in every cell of your body and the stars too are in every cell of your body. Your body contains all the information of the cosmos and if you are deeply in touch with your own body you can be deeply in touch with the whole cosmos. So if we get in touch deeply with our body, we can get in touch with all the wonders of the cosmos. And in case there is tension, pain in the body, you can do something to release the tension and reduce the pain, the suffering in the body. That's why the Buddha proposed the fourth exercise, breathing in. I allow my body to relax. I release the tension in my body, calming the body. Being aware, mindful of the body, that's number three. And number four is calming the body. These are then the four first, the first four exercises of the 16. 
With the fifth exercise, we move into the realm of the feelings. The first four have been in the realm of the body because breathing is of the body. In the second, we, second set of four, we go into the realm of the feelings. So in the fifth exercise, we generate a feeling of joy. Generating joy. And how? Joy is something possible. Every time we bring our mind back to our body, we establish ourselves in the present moment, and we're able to get in touch with all the wonders of life that are available. And joy is born from that. Joy is born from mindfulness. You have eyes in good condition, right? Breathing in, I'm aware of my eyes. I'm aware of the fact that my eyes are still in good condition. They're very precious, much more precious than pearls. With my eyes, I can get in touch with a paradise of shapes and colors that is available. A paradise of shapes and colors is there for you thanks to the fact that you have eyes still in good condition, right? So your eyes are a wonder. Imagine that suddenly you should be blind. You cannot see anything. Your deepest wish is going to be to be able to see as you did before, right now. So your eyes are a condition of happiness, of joy. If you come back to the present moment, you can touch thousands and thousands of conditions of happiness that are available in you and around you. When we are unhappy, we tell ourselves we don't have enough conditions to be happy. It's not true. The conditions of happiness are more than enough to be happy. Try to take a piece of paper and write down the conditions of happiness that you have right now. One page will not be enough. Two pages, three pages, four pages, five pages is not enough. The conditions of happiness are more than enough. So that's why we have the song in French, Qu'est-ce qu'on attend pour être heureux? What are we waiting for to be happy? So generating joy and happiness is possible with mindfulness. Mindfulness is a source of joy and of happiness. So, the practitioner knows how to produce a feeling of joy at any moment, anytime, anywhere, with one.
practitioner gets in touch with the conditions of happiness that are there already. And that way, joy comes right away. So the practitioner has the power to generate joy and happiness whenever he or she wants. A little girl just gave Ty her picture. It's the same one who sang the song for us a little while ago. So the fifth exercise is generating joy, and the sixth is generating happiness. So practicing meditation is for generating joy and happiness with the energy of mindfulness and concentration. And then we can see the presence of the pure land of the Buddha, of the kingdom of God in every flower, in every leaf. And that insight also brings us joy and happiness. able to generate joy and happiness for ourselves, then we can also help the other person to do the same. Darling, do you realize how lucky we are? We have so many conditions of happiness, so many available, so we can make the happiness of the other person as well. And the seventh exercise is recognizing a painful feeling, an unpleasant feeling. When a painful feeling starts to come up, starts to surface, the practitioner should breathe, walk mindfully to generate the energy of mindfulness. And the first thing she does is to recognize the presence of that pain. Breathing in, I know there is a painful feeling in me. So there is suffering, pain, in the form of an energy. So let's call that energy number one. And when the practitioner observes, notices that pain coming up, he does something right away. 
he comes back to his breathing and he practices mindful breathing, walking meditation, to generate another kind of energy, the energy of mindfulness. That's energy number two. And with that second energy of mindfulness, the practitioner will be able to take care of that pain. The practitioner knows how to take care of suffering. She doesn't let suffering invade and take her over. She knows how to handle, how to take care of suffering. So mindfulness is there. Not to fight against the pain. Not to oppress, or suppress, combat the pain, but only to recognize it. What mindfulness can do, first of all, is recognize. Bear recognition, mere recognition. My dear pain, I know that you're here and I'm going to take care of you. There is no no basis for fighting, for suppressing. There is just simple recognition of the pain. That's the seventh exercise, recognizing a painful feeling with mindfulness. And after having recognized the presence of that painful feeling, mindfulness begins to embrace the painful feeling. And help it to calm down. Just like a mom, when her baby is crying, the baby is suffering, a mother brings her baby into her arms to cradle the baby. The mom doesn't even know yet what is the cause of the baby's suffering, but just the fact that she's carrying the baby, holding the baby in her arms, can already bring a lot of relief to the baby. So the eighth exercise is soothing, calming the pain. You can see how methodical these exercises are in the third exercise of that first set of four. We recognize the body and tensions and pain in it. And with the mindfulness in the fourth exercise, we calm it. So here with the seventh and eighth, it means the third and fourth of the second set of four, we're doing the same thing with the painful feelings. We recognize the pain, and then we calm it. 
So the second thing that mindfulness is doing after the recognizing is to embrace, to cradle the painful feeling and help it to calm down. A good practitioner does that whenever painful feelings come up. Every time pain comes, we should recognize and embrace, just like a mom, a lot of tenderness. There's no violence, because in Buddhism, the practice is based on non-duality. You are the mindfulness, you are the joy and the peace, but you are also the suffering. So we should not turn ourselves into a battlefield. We want to take care of our pain, of our suffering. We need to know how to take care, how to handle a suffering. And the practitioner is the one who knows how to recognize a suffering, embrace, cradle, and take care of that suffering. that should be recognized. It's called habit energy. We have habits of speaking, of acting in ways that cause a lot of suffering to ourselves and to other people. Habit energy is called vasana in Sanskrit, the key in Vietnamese. And Thais writing it in Chinese. Qi in uh, qi, it's like qi, like qigong, the energy. It's very strong. And we're pushed, carried away by that habit energy. And we say things, we do things that can be very destructive. We are intelligent enough to know that to say something like that will be very harmful to ourself and to the other person. But when we're carried away by that habit energy, we say it anyway. We do it anyway. Even if we know very well that saying something like that, doing something like that is going to create a lot of suffering in you and in the other person. After having said it, done it, you suffer, you regret, and you tell yourself next time, 
I will not say that or do that. But when the situation comes up again, you do the same thing again. That's habit energy. And that energy may have been transmitted to you by your parents, by your ancestors. So with the Dharma, with the practice of mindfulness, we can transform transform those habit energies. We can do it for ourselves, and we can do it for our parents and our grandparents. We have to stop that cycle of samsara with the Dharma, with the practice. This energy pushes us to do things we don't want to do, say things we don't want to say. So mindfulness is the response. Every time that energy starts to come up, you want to say that thing to punish. You think if you say it, it'll bring you some relief. If I can make the other person suffer, then I will suffer less. That's not very intelligent. But we do it. So when you're pushed by that energy and you're on the verge of saying something, of doing something, you need to use the energy of mindfulness You have to recognize the energy. Dear energy, dear habit energy, I know you. You can't push me to do it this time. There's a bare recognition. It's enough if we can recognize what's going on. But we need some training in the practice of mindful breathing We need to train ourselves in the practice of mindful walking. And those become good habits. And every time the negative habits come up, you can take care of it with mindfulness. If not, we're just going to keep on forgetting and letting the habit energy push us into doing things and saying things we don't want. So, pure, simple recognition can do a lot. We don't have to fight. Just through the recognition, we can recover a lot of our freedom thanks to the practice of mindfulness. Contact, attention. 
feeling. Perception. Volition. These are the five mental formations that we call universal mental formations. The five universals. We speak of mental formations. We speak of our mind in terms of the mental formations. There are 51 traditionally in our list of mental formations. There are mental formations that bring suffering like fear, anger, and violence that are in us in the form of seeds. And if we allow our seeds, these kinds of seeds, these negative seeds to be watered, they will grow and they will become quite big. And every time we touch those seeds, the the mental formation of that kind of suffering manifests in our consciousness like as fear, as anger, as violence. In Buddhist psychology we speak of consciousness, of the mind. We have at least two layers in the consciousness. Suttai has drawn a large circle with a kind of wavy line horizontally through the middle. The upper layer is called mind consciousness. Underneath is the level that we call the store consciousness. There are a number of seeds buried down in the depths of the store consciousness as seeds. There's a seed of anger down here. And if that seed of anger sleeps peacefully in the store consciousness, we can live happily. But every time that seed of anger gets watered, it's going to sprout up in the upper level, the mind consciousness, and then we call it a mental formation. So at that point, anger is the mental formation. Before it manifested as a mental formation, it was just a seed. Sanskrit word for seed is bija, B-I-J-A.
and there are seeds that give rise to painful mental formations. There are good seeds like mindfulness, like friendship, like compassion, like joy, like concentration. These are the seeds that give rise to wholesome mental formations. So these five mental formations are what we call universal because they are manifesting all the time in our daily life. Every time we are in contact with something, we will have a feeling. Contact may bring a pleasant or an unpleasant feeling. We may start with a contact and feeling is born from that contact. Contact with something quote-unquote outside, like the sun, the earth, water, fire. Contact with our own body. Contact with our fear, our anger, our worries. These are contacts that our mind is making. And contact brings feeling or attention. You're interested in something you, you ha bring your attention to something. This is also a kind of contact, and it produces a pleasant or unpleasant feeling. In Buddhism, we speak of appropriate attention and inappropriate attention. If you focus your attention on positive things, that will bring you pleasant feelings. For example, when the brother invites the bell to sound, and you bring your attention to the sound of the bell, and you are motivated by the desire to breathe in and out in mindfulness, you touch peace and happiness. But if you pay attention to something more negative, that will bring about an unpleasant feeling. It will give you a perception. That's the fourth universal. Contact, attention, can bring about a perception. <coughs> or feeling. And then you may react. If the feeling is pleasant, you will pursue it, and that becomes the issue of volition, the fifth universal. So you want that pleasant feeling to be repeated. 
if it's an unpleasant feeling, you want to get away from it. So volition is the desire for action. It's the motivation. So if your attention brings you in contact with something unpleasant and your perception can also bring an unpleasant feeling, then you have a reaction. suffering. And as you you have a you have a habit energy, you always make the same choice. That's why Something else needs to intervene to change this progression, to interrupt it. You have the habit of acting in a certain way, and that always leads to a greater pain and suffering. Every time we say something that's not nice, You have an unpleasant feeling and you have a perception about that person and you automatically will act in a way that will produce more suffering in you and the other person. But with the intervention of another mental formation, such as mindfulness, it will change. Let's suppose you have one of the unpleasant feelings. The other person has just said something that is not pleasant. The other person is nervous. She said something unpleasant. And you may have a wrong perception. You might think that that person wants to make you suffer. That's a perception that you get. Maybe that person doesn't want to make you suffer. It's because she has suffering in her and she doesn't know how to handle that suffering, she's suffering, and you have simply become the second victim of the suffering inside of her. It's not her intention to make you suffer, 
But you have the wrong perception now that that other person wants to make you suffer. So then you're going to act, you're going to say something to punish that person. And you always follow that same track. Yesterday and today, that's habit energy. So if mindfulness intervenes, there's a change right away. If mindfulness intervenes, you can see that the attention that you are paying, that you are exercising, is inappropriate attention. It is attention that's directing you in a negative direction. So you have the intention to move your attention onto something more positive that gives you freedom and you are no longer carried away on that track that causes you and others to suffer more. And if there is an unpleasant feeling that is there and you can recognize that unpleasant feeling you will be able to recognize its nature. For example, the other person has just said something unpleasant to you. With your mindfulness, you are able to see that there's suffering in him. He has suffering in him. He doesn't know how to take care of that suffering. He has become victim number one, of his own suffering and you are merely the secondary victim. If you can see this, you're no longer a victim of his suffering. You say to yourself, that person is suffering and he doesn't know how to handle it, I'm going to help him. And then you're no longer carried off, carried along that same old track. That's because of the intervention of your mindfulness. There's another path that leads not to anger, but to compassion. So with mindfulness, we can look, we can recognize attention and feelings, we can adjust and correct our perceptions and with our volition we can act differently. Instead of saying something to punish that other person, we will say something more pleasant. Dear friend, I know that you suffer and I'm going to try to help you. That's what you say to yourself. And you're no longer the victim of your own habit energy. So alongside the five universals, there are five mental formations that are called the particular, the five particulars. (laughs) 
We're learning about Buddhist psychology. The first one is yuk, the desire, intention. The second one is determination. concentration and then the last one is insight the five particulars and we already know mindfulness concentration produced by the practice of meditation. If there is the intervention of mindfulness, concentration, and insight, we will take another path that doesn't lead to suffering for ourselves and for the other person, but rather a path that leads to forgiveness, to understanding, to peace. So the intervention of these particulars in the processes of the universals is quite important. Day after tomorrow, we will have a session of questions and answers. 
But first, tomorrow we have lazy day, right? An unstructured day. And that's for our personal practice. We Whenever we encounter someone on our path that day, lazy day, we might like to ask that person, are you lazy enough today? I would like to ask Stuart, Daniel, Keith, to come also with Brother Thutai to come up and speak for two minutes about the Happy Farm Project. Please come, Stuart Watson, Daniel, Stuart, Daniel, and Keith. Hello, dear friends. To be honest with you, I'm uncomfortable. This is Brother Thutai. Because the ones who are, the one who really launched this is Brother Stream. He's a big brother, and I'm asking him to come up here because he speaks French as well. Brother Stream is... Uh, also attending to the live stream of the Dharma talk. And Stuart, if we can locate Stuart. person next to me says maybe they've already gone down to do their work at the farm. <laughs> Good morning, dear Thai, dear Sangha. So since last year, we've begun a project of an organic farm here in Plum Village. For a long time, we've had little veggie gardens here and there. But this is more on a grander, a larger scale. It's at the bottom of the hill here. In the 